All right. Why don't you turn to Ezekiel 28, because we're going to get there. The message tonight, as we continue in our series of what about, tonight is what about the devil? You know, some people do not believe in the devil, but the only way a person or a nation can be deceived into believing that there is no devil is by first having been deceived or having deceived people to believe that God does not exist. You see, once God is removed, the devil then just vanishes away as a superstitious element. But God has to go first. Our humanistic public school systems and universities have accomplished this very effectively. If you believe in God in whatever shape or form, not even according to the Bible, if you believe in a God, a supernatural being, you must believe in a devil. You can't believe in one without the other. So the first goal of Satan always is to get people to not believe there's a God. Then the devil just disappears. But he's well and alive on earth, destroying people. The Bible is very descriptive about Satan, revealing him with all the characteristics of personality. Personal pronouns are ascribed to him. Personal attributes are also ascribed to him. He has a will. He has knowledge. He has wisdom. Personal acts are attributed to him, challenging God, his fairness in the garden there, questioning the truth of God's word, tricking man, inciting man to sin, and many, many other things. There are two extremes taken regarding Satan. One, to believe that he is more powerful than he is. And secondly, to believe that he has no power at all. Two extremes. They're both wrong. Let's look at our study, What About the Devil? As we ask three questions about the devil. First, what about the devil and his origin? Second, what about the devil and his fall? Thirdly, what about the devil, his present and future destiny? That'll give us a good comprehensive idea of what the Bible says about him. Again, we use the Bible for all our information, not our opinion, not fictional Christian books or anything else. Let's begin here, Ezekiel 28. What about the devil and his origin? Ezekiel 28, verse 11 down to 15, the first portion of it will be our text right now as we move through it. The devil, notice, is referred to in the context as the king of Tyre is being addressed here. In verse 11, the prophetic formula marks the natural division. Listen, moreover, the word of the Lord Yahweh came to me, saying, the prophet speaking, the prophet qualifies the revelation, the word of the Lord, as the mere vessel that he is. This is not something he's coming up with. God has given it to him as he did many other prophets. This is divine revelation. The, the first dealt with the pride of the future judgment to the king of Tyre from verse 1 to 10. He addressed it to him. Now... He makes a transition. The prophet is to write another lamentation. He says, Son of man, take up a lamentation, there in verse 12, for the king of Tyre, and say to him. Now, the content as we go through it reveals immediately that though the material is addressed to the earthly king of Tyre as a lamentation, it cannot be describing him in many ways as we move through it. And the Bible does this many times, so you've got to keep your eye on the flow of it and what he's directing to. Notice the context of the revelation centers now on the pride and evil of the devil by his high position in heaven prior to his fall as we move through it. You have the parallel of this pride and arrogance in verse 1, 
2, 5, and 17. They're tied together. Still in verse 12, notice the devil, which, by the way, his name is Lucifer, which is bright star, brilliance. Luz is light, same thing in Spanish. So the devil Lucifer was the seal of perfection, full of wisdom and perfect in beauty, he says here in verse 12, notice. Thus saith the Lord, hold, you were the seal of perfection, full of wisdom. Perfect. Not a flaw in beauty. Notice Lucifer was the name of the devil. Isaiah 14, 12 also makes this point. And he calls him Lucifer. He was one of the one of a kind, above kind, none like him, the highest angel we're going to see here. He was the example of perfection, which means measurement, the pattern or the portion. He was the ideal, but not sinless and with capacity of choice. Remember, I said one of the big mistakes is to think that he's more powerful than he is. We're going to see he's a created being. An angel, not a being, a created angel, a spirit. Therefore, he's not all-powerful. He's not all-knowing. He's not all-present. He's a created angel. Now, Lucifer was endowed with superb understanding as to assimilate information and gain insight for the best conclusion. That's what wisdom is. Knowledge is information. And wisdom is the ability to assimilate it, accommodate it, judge it, put it together in combination for the best result or choice. That's wisdom. He was full of wisdom, meaning the fullness, the first one of the angels. Lucifer was the most beautiful creature. Notice the word perfect there. In beauty. As the context envisaged, his visage was entire, all perfect. Most of us just get along. There are some stunning, beautiful women and handsome men. Some. Most of us just get by. <laughs> and when you see someone that is just so stunning, without all the fake stuff or anything... It, it, when you see them, it's, it's amazing. How could, but they're still not flawless, but it, it's stunning because they're so far different from anybody else. You know what I mean? Now, the word is also describes his person, complete, whole, and sound. When we get to verse 15, same word. Now look at verse 13. The devil, Lucifer here, was in the Eden, the garden of God, as the servant of God. This is his origin. This is the background of his origin. You were in Eden, the garden of God. Every precious stone was your covering, the sardis, the topaz, the diamond, the beryl, the onyx, the jasper, the sapphire, the turquoise, the emerald, the gold, the workmanship, of your timbrels and pipes was prepared for you on the day you were created. Now, question. The Eden mentioned here in our text. This is the origin of Satan. Lucifer at that time. It has to be distinct and different from the one of Genesis 3. Here he's perfect in this Eden. In Genesis 3, he's already fallen. Okay? Context, description, very clear here. In Genesis, Satan is fallen and is a deceiver. In Genesis, he attacks God's um, children. In Genesis, he opposes God in his word. Right here, he's described as perfect in beauty and he's got a service here in this location of Eden. Notice the description of Satan in our text is in view 
of his position, it says, in the garden of God, under God's service here. The gems that he was attired with and the gold cannot refer to Genesis 3. All right? Notice what he says. The seeming office described to Satan as the leader of worship is in heaven for God. This is the context. Nine of the 12 stones mentioned here are on the breastplate of the high priest. Exodus 28, 17 through 30 confirms this, okay? The word workmanship is occupation, business, or service. This was designated in the day he was created, bara. The same word for Genesis 1.1. In the beginning, God bara the heavens and the earth. Out of nothing spoke them into being. Same word. So the context describes a different Eden. The description of Lucifer here is prior to his fall. Look at verse 14. The devil, Lucifer, was the designated cherub. You were the anointed cherub who covers. I established you. You were on the holy mountain of God. You walked back and forth in the midst of fiery stones. So Lucifer, the anointed or the appointed cherub. A cherub, as you know, is one of the angelic orders we studied these last week, found in Scripture. Cherubim is plural. Cherub is singular. A cherub is one of the angelic orders. Again, um, Colossians 1.16 tells us that for by him, meaning Christ, was created all things. In heaven and earth, visible, invisible, for him, by him, and through him. There's nothing that exists that wasn't made by him. He created everything. There are seraphim that we saw, singular seraph. There's archangels, and then there's regular angels. And we saw that last week. You find some of this in Hebrews 1, 7 and 1, 14. Ministering spirits to the heirs of salvation, we saw. Now, notice the one who covers is very specific here. It means to hedge or to fence about or to shut in. Perhaps referring to his protective care of God's throne. Since cherubim are said to be on the mercy seat and the throne of God. The Ark of the Covenant, the mercy seat on top. One cherub here, the other one here. Wings spread, touching each other, looking straight down. They're associated with the throne of God. Because remember, when, when God told Moses to make um, the Ark in the courtyard and everything, to do it exactly as he gave him the pattern, because it was a model of the throne in heaven. If you go to the book of Revelation, start reading, and you start looking at chapter 4 and 5, and you see the description, you look at Ezekiel 1 and 10, you see the throne of God. You see many similarities, okay? This is a God-given position that was given to him. God created him. This is the service that he gave him to perform. Now, Satan, Lucifer here, before the fall, was once in heaven then. He was on the holy mountain of God. Notice. He was before God's presence continually. Isaiah says the mountain of God on the sides of the north, Isaiah 14, 13. He walked back and forth in the midst of of the fiery stone speaking of the holiness and the glory of God. Once again, Ezekiel 1.13, 10.16, you see it there. When we went through Ezekiel, we did messages on those chapters. Then notice verse 15, the beginning portion. The devil... Or Lucifer, at this point, was created by God as all others. 
We've already seen that, but it's very important that we understand this. You were perfect in your way from the day you were created. The statement reveals to us that Lucifer, Satan, was not created as evil. Okay? So we cannot blame God that he created Lucifer as an evil angel. But we've already already noted that he has a free will, right? Because if you rebelled, you have to have a free will. Angels have a free will. Man has a free will. We're not robots. Angels cannot be saved. Angels cannot be forgiven. Angels cannot repent because they're not creating the image and likeness of God. They're spirit beings to serve God and the heirs of salvation. Big difference. Once again, the word perfect refers to his person as complete, whole, and sound. Unimpaired, having integrity, not sinless, a free moral agent, prepared, perfect, adequate for the service, but with a free will. The word ways there refers to his service and loyalty and his directed course and moral character in the service of God. This is God's record of of his faithful service prior to the fall, his position. Everything God created was declared to be good in Genesis 131. And when he finished, he says it was very good. The statement again reveals that Lucifer, Satan, is a created being. He's repeating it. We have to remember that. Therefore, once again, he's not all powerful, not all knowing, he's not all present. Satan cannot be everywhere at the same time. His angels that are fallen do his bidding. Okay? He probably messes with the big leaders of the world, directs and guides them. I believe Hitler was directed by Satan and demons. He had many of his white masters looking for the opening of the bottomless pit down in South America. If you read some of the writings about Hitler, he was very much into the occult and his right-hand man also. Now, he had a day that he came into existence He is therefore, as I said, not all-powerful. Therefore, he is not equivalent to God. If you want to put an equivalence to Lucifer or Satan, it would be like maybe Michael or Gabriel. Okay? Possibly. Michael's the only one that's called an archangel. Lucifer here is never called an archangel. But it's believed he could have been. So if you're going to give a comparison, maybe one of those, but not God. It's a great mistake when people do that. Lucifer again created Bara out of nothing. God spoke him into being. A liberal modern day preacher said, I'm not afraid of Satan, the devil. One hearing on said, um, that doesn't matter. What matters is this. Let me ask you a real important question. Does the devil, or is this devil afraid of you? See, if you're a believer, you're a child of God. Greater is he that's in you than he that's in the world. We don't go around chasing Satan or looking for demons, but we don't run from them either. Very important, because you're a child of God. And God... As he lives through us, he empowers us to deal with the issues that have to happen in our life, even when there are attacks from within or from without the body of Jesus Christ. Some of them very intense as Satan launches attacks against the church and against Christians. So this is the biblical truth about the devil and his origin. Anything else that someone would say is a lie. This is what the Bible says about his origin. Nothing else. 
Secondly, what about the devil and his fall then? We've already implied it. We know it already, but in the order that we're taking it. Look at, as we move through 15, the second portion. The sin of Lucifer came from within being a free moral agent. From 15 there all the way down to verse 18. Lucifer was perfect in his ways from the day he was created. Listen, till iniquity was found in you. Perfect to a point, and then when he chose to rebel against God, that was the line that he crossed. There was a point in time that he rebelled. Lucifer, by the abundance of his trading, became filled with violence within. And you sin, God says. This is God's record. Okay? This is directly from heaven, where it happened, by the way. The word trading means um, merchandise or traffic, perhaps referring to Lucifer's um, divisive rebellion to slander and accuse God in heaven to the angels. Lucifer's heart was lifted up, notice, because of his beauty. He corrupted his wisdom from, for the sake of his splendor. Verse 17 says, His beauty corrupted his wisdom for the purpose of his own splendor, which means brightness. Lucifer, light bearer. He was enamored with himself. Number two was not enough, even though he wasn't an equal to God. But he was the top angel. He was not satisfied with being number two in heaven. Very few can take a second place without God's help. Because our flesh always wants number one. Always. Notice in 18, Lucifer defiled his sanctuaries by the multitude of his iniquities, by the iniquity of his tradings. Once again, this is God's revelation about this. This again could possibly refer to Lucifer's rebellion, falsely accusing and slandering God to all the other angels. By the word, the way, the word devil, diabolos, in Spanish is diablo, minus an O. It's diabolos, it means false accuser and slander. And by the way, devil is only found in the New Testament, not in the Old. 33 times in the New Testament, okay? Satan in the Old, Lucifer, devil in the New. Jesus saw Satan falling like lightning from heaven, Luke 10, 18 says. Paul told Timothy not to appoint a novice to a position in the church lest he be lifted up in pride and fall like the devil. Everything slow, step at a time, proving and approving. Now, the sin of Lucifer was rebellion against God, as we said. Isaiah chapter 14. Those are the two I always remember. 14, 2 times 14 is 28. Ezekiel 28, Isaiah 14. The two passages about Lucifer's fall. Satan, okay? So in Isaiah 14, verse 12 through 14, Isaiah has Lucifer's five I wills, his threats against God. Pride was the cause of his fall. He is the one who weakens the nations, he says there. Paul confirms this, as I said in 1 Timothy 3, 6. Not a novice. Lest being puffed up with pride, you fall into the same condemnation as the devil. Now, Ezekiel here, in verse 16 to 18, gives us God's Six I wills. So Isaiah has the five I wills against God, threatening God. Ezekiel gives us the six I wills because God has the last word. 
Okay? Real simple. Satan's desire was to be God. Satan said he would take over heaven. I'm going to give you both Ezekiel and Isaiah. You don't have to turn to it. And you'll see the parallel. Okay? Satan's first in Isaiah 14, 13. I will ascend into heaven. God's first. I cast you as a profane thing out of the mountain of God. Verse 16 here. Satan said he would overthrow God. Satan's second I will. Isaiah 14, 13. I will exalt my throne above the stars of God. Stars are angels. God's second. I destroy you, O covering cherub, from the midst of the fiery stones. Verse 16. Satan said he would sit in the place of God. 2 Thessalonians chapter 2. Satan's third I will. I will also sit on the mountain of the congregation on the farther side of the north. Isaiah 14, 13 tells us that. God's third I will. I cast you to the ground. Verse 17 here in Ezekiel. Satan said he would live in the abode of God. Satan's fourth I will. I will ascend above the bright, the heights of the clouds. Isaiah 14, 14. God's fourth. I laid you before kings that they might gaze at you. Verse 17 here. Satan said he would be God. Isaiah 14, 14. Satan says the fifth one. I will be like the most high. God's rebuttal. The fifth. I brought fire from your midst. It devoured you. Verse 18. Satan is destroyed by God. The last word. Isaiah 14, 15. Yet you shall be brought down to the depths of the pit. God's sixth, I turn you to ashes upon the earth in the sight of all who saw you. Verse 18. God's declaration regarding the king of Tyre. In verse 19. The nations that knew the king of Tyre's pride and fame would be Awestruck, notice that, at the destruction, never to rise again as Lucifer. So as he addresses in the first ten verses the king of Tyre, he moves into the same um, uh, destructive pride of Lucifer's fall, and he concludes it with the awesomeness of the nations as God's going to destroy the king of Tyre. And you know the history of Tyre, as God allowed Nebuchadnezzar to besiege the city for years taking nothing and then God as they moved out to the island then the, Alexander the Great came and scraped everything and built a causeway out and took everything a prophecy that's amazing in terms of the chance of probability for it to come to pass once again this is God's revelation about Lucifer the devil not our opinion now the sin of Lucifer's rebellion led other angels to go astray. His tail drew a third of the angels from heaven in distinct categories. Revelation 12.4 There are angels of darkness bound permanently in the place called Tartars. In chains, Second Peter two four, and Jude verse six. In other words, these are permanently bound. These angels are so vile, so evil that God incarcerated them at Tartars, so that they'll never be let loose. Okay, they're bad dudes. Now, there are angels that are temporarily bound in pits. And they will be loosed during the Great Tribulation. Revelation 9, 2 
and 14 tells us that in the Euphrates River, there are certain angels bound. And they're bad dudes too, but God's going to release those. The other ones are so vile, he'll never release them. There are also angels of darkness loose. Demons seem to possess people. Unbelievers, never a believer. There's not one instance that Christians can be demon-possessed, though you will hear this doctrine come around once in a while, and they'll name it different things, and they'll describe it different ways, but it's a lie every time, okay? Greater is he that's in you than he that's in the world. Light and darkness cannot occupy the same vessel. Very, very clear. Evil spirits seem to influence people. In Scripture, they cause at times dumbness, blindness, deafness, or sickness. We're not told why, but when we see those records in the Gospels, it is very clear that that person was deaf or blind or dumb because of a demon that possessed them. Now, that doesn't mean that anybody or everyone who's blind, deaf, or dumb are possessed. Is that clear? Okay, very important, all right? Otherwise, people are always just, you know, well, that guy's even... Listen, when you come across a demon-possessed person, you're not going to mistake them, okay? Trust me, okay? I've been around some people that are demon-possessed out of the country, and you will not... I wonder if he's demon-possessed. Uh-uh. You'll know. Um... His kingdom is described as the kingdom of wicked spirits. Ephesians 6.12. We don't wrestle against principalities, powers, and demons of darkness, flesh and blood, but principalities and powers of darkness in high places. So they're spirit beings. Angels are spirit beings, okay? Some, all of them are fallen angels. Some are demons. They need to occupy a body for what reason we don't know. And these are loose. John says many spirits have gone out into the world, the cosmos, the worldly system. So there are many spirits out here, demons, spirit beings. They lie, just like Satan. You, Satan has never told the truth, okay? Not once. There's not one place you can show me a scripture where, where what Satan said was true. One of the greatest mistakes that people make is when Satan told Jesus in the wilderness temptation. All these are mine, the kingdom of the world. Whoever I give them, I can give them to whoever I will. Liar. They're not his. The first three temptations were lies, half lies, half truth. What makes you think he's going to tell that? Jesus said he's a liar, he's never told the truth. So how can you make the first three lies and this one you're going to say is true? Because Jesus didn't rebuke him? Because Jesus didn't say liar? That makes it true? Your son or daughter tells you something that's completely off the wall. You know it's crazy. And because you don't correct them, you just go like this and walk away? Does that make it true? Of course not. He's a liar. Many spirits out there, lying spirits, a lot of the occults, a lot of the New Age movement through channelers. You have uh, contemplative prayer of communicating spirits. You have Sarah's young book, the Jesus Calling book, demons. Christian communities going crazy over They love it. They don't discern. Amazing to me. Jesus said the thief comes not... He does not come except to steal, to kill, and to destroy. I have come that you may have life and that you may have it more abundantly. John 10, 10. Lucifer, Satan, or the devil is different and distinct as a person from fallen angels. He is the top dog. He is, as we'll see, the God of this world. One put it this way. It's a shame that when success turns a person's head, it does not also wring his neck just a little bit. Pride. Every one of us are subject to that and are in danger of that. 
as long as we're in this flesh. And if you don't walk in the spirit, you will walk in the flesh and your pride will be your downfall. The heart of man is desperately wicked above all things. The first sin that God hates is pride. This is the biblical truth about the devil and his fall. Anybody else tells you any other story about the fall? It's a lie. This is all we know about the fall. Third and last question is what about the devil then? His present and his future destiny. First, the devil, Satan, is not the opposite or counterpart of God. I can't repeat that enough. He is an angel created by God. He's not omniscient, all-knowing. He's not omnipotent, all-powerful. He's not omnipresent, present at the same time everywhere. He is limited by God at what he can do. God has put a chain on him. It may seem a little longer than you want, but there's a chain on him. Okay? He needed permission to test Job, remember, in Job chapter 1 and 2. By the way, it was God who brought that test upon Job. The sons of God came for roll call. Satan came up with them. God says, hey, Lou, what are you doing? Oh, nothing, cruising up and down the earth. He said, oh, have you considered my servant Job? And the word consider is a military term, the most strategic place to defeat him. He loves God and he hates evil. He said, ah, you blessed him. Let me touch the stuff he has. He'll curse you to your face. Go ahead. Job says, blessed be the name of the Lord. God gives, takes away. Comes up again. He goes, ah, Skin for skin, a man will give all that he has. Okay. Touch his body, but you can't take his life. Job's wife said, you know, why don't you just curse God and die? Job says, oh, foolish woman. Can I receive good at the hand of God, not evil? Even though he slay me, yet I will trust in him. Wow. God gave the permission. God set the boundaries. He was rebuked by God in Zechariah 3.1. Remember, the Lord rebuke you. We just finished Zechariah. About six, seven months back. Zechariah had all those visions. He was not allowed to take Moses' body. Michael rebuked him. Jude verse 9. Contesting for the body of Moses. Jesus said, I will build my church, and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. Matthew 16, 18. Gates don't fight. Gates speak of authority. The gates of hell, the authority of hell, will not prevail against his church. Why? Greater is he than Satan. When he said it is finished on the cross, he knocked all of Satan's teeth out. He destroyed him with the power of death. Open display as Jesus descended to the lowest parts and preached to those who died in faith and scooped them up in paradise and took it and transferred it to heaven. No demon could stop him. No angel could hinder him. He goes about to destroy. We are warned in 1 Peter 5, 8, 9. It says, be sober. Talking to the Christian, you and I. Be vigilant because your adversary, the devil, walks about like a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. Resist him steadfastly in the faith, knowing that the same sufferings are experienced by your brotherhood in the world. The warning is for believers. It is real. 
It is not hypothetical. He goes about like a roaring lion seeking who he may devour. If there is no chance of that happening, why warn the believer? If you cannot be deceived, why write the epistles? If you cannot choose to walk away, why the warnings? It's real simple, ladies and gentlemen. You don't need to have all kinds of theology degrees. You just have to use your brain. Common sense. The devil, Satan, is called the God of this age, who blinds the mind of the lost from the gospel, having domain and influence over fallen man. Second Corinthians 4, 4. He's called the God of this world. It doesn't mean that he owns the earth. I dare you to find me one verse that says that the earth belongs to Satan. I know you hear it. I know people teach it. Show me one verse where Satan owns the earth. The God of this world means he has domain, authority, but he's a squatter. The psalm says the earth belongs to the Lord, not to Satan. He has dominion, authority over fallen man because of sin nature. Their blindness, their deadness, just like you and I were before we accepted Christ. Satan and his activities are constant. The opposition against the gospel by Satan is taught by Jesus. Satan snatches up the seed of the word of God from man's heart, lest he believe in the kingdom parables of the parable of the sower in Matthew thirteen nineteen, Satan is there to hinder. But God is there to illuminate and convict. And then the person makes a decision whether they respond to the gospel or allow Satan to blind them. If God allows you to hear the gospel, tonight you're hearing the gospel, you don't know Jesus Christ, right now Satan is trying to take that seed so that you do not trust God, that he says if you believe that he died in your place and paid the price for your sin, that he is able to forgive you and to change your heart and your life by grace through faith. And Satan's there to say, has God said, just like he told Eve, you decide whether you're going to let Satan deceive you further or whether you're going to believe God. Jesus called Satan the prince and the ruler of this world on three occasions. Jesus, knowing that his hour had um, Come, told the people in John twelve thirty one. Now is the judgment of this world. Now the ruler of this world will be cast out, defeated. John fourteen thirty. Jesus speaking to his disciples said, "I will no longer talk much with you, for the ruler of this world is coming, and he has nothing in me. There is no sin in me. There is no sin nature in me. There is nothing that he can accuse me of. He cannot touch me." Jesus, still speaking to his disciples, speaking about the Holy Spirit, said in John sixteen eleven, And when he has come, he will convict the world of sin, speaking about the Holy Spirit, and of righteousness and of judgment of sin, because they do not believe in me of righteousness, because I go to my Father and you see me no more of judgment, because the ruler of this world is judged. He's a defeated foe. He still has domain. God's schedule is right on time. We're right on schedule. We're moving forward to the coming of Jesus Christ. We're moving towards the great tribulation. We're moving towards the rapture prior to the tribulation. We're moving towards the millennial kingdom. We're moving toward the eternal state that follows it. The whole world lies in the sway of the evil one. First John 5.19 says, confirms his dominion, his authority. Due to our fallenness and sin nature through Adam. Uh, Romans 5.12 says that sin entered in by one man and death through sin. So every time a woman brings a baby into the world, brings another 
sinner. Another sinner. Because sinners only produce sinners. Also due to walking according to the prince of the power of the air who works in the sons of disobedience, Ephesians 2, 1 and 2. You and I are called the children of wrath before we're born again. Children of disobedience. Running the course of the, of the prince of the air. The God of this world. Satan has many names and titles. Satan appears 56 times in the Bible and means adversary or opposer, Old and New Testament. Devil appears 38 times plus 21 more times in relationship to him in the New Testament, meaning slander, accuser, one who trips up. Purpose is to defame man, God, and Christ. You shall not surely die, he tells Eve in Genesis 3, 4, and 5. Liar. Old serpent appears one time in the New Testament, but serpent four other times and represents experience in subtleties, craftiness, and deceit. 2 Corinthians 11.3, Revelation 12.9, 14, 15, and chapter 20, verse 2. Prior to the fall, the serpent walked upright. Did you know that? But was cursed to crawl. It is the only part of the animal kingdom that will not revert back to its original state. The serpent will crawl and eat dust all the days of its life, even in the kingdom age. Genesis 3.1, Isaiah 65.25 tells us. Because it was the instrument by which Satan deceived. Wow. Great dragon appears once in Revelation, two other times just dragon. And literally means sea monster, referring to his power and destruction, appearing 13 times all in the book of Revelation. 12.3, 12, 12.9, 12, 13.2. Just to mention a few. The evil one appears four times in 1 John and describes his course, his source and nature. He's not content unless he seeks others and makes them evil. Found four times all in 1 John. 1 John 2.13 and 14, 5.18 and 19. Poneros. He's not only evil, but he loves to make other evil. Destroyer appears once in the New Testament and is identified with the angel of the bottomless pit, Abaddon and Apollyon, which means destruction and destroyer. Same thing, Revelation 9, 11. Roaring lion, we've read that verse, appears once in the New Testament, describing one that captures. Lions roar once they have their prey, not before. 1 Peter 5, 8. He's very subtle as he approaches you. Very conniving. And once he has you, then he roars. Sucker. Wow. Tempter. Entices mankind to do evil and sin. Matthew 4, 3. 1 Thessalonians 3, 5. Accuser. Appearing two times in the New Testament as the one who charges man before God. You have Job, chapter 1, verse 10 through 11 that we've mentioned, and chapter 12 of Revelation, verse 10, the accuser of the brethren. No one can accuse a believer before God, Romans 8, 33. As we keep our relationship right with God, we stand in our position in Jesus Christ. Deceiver appears one time for Satan and another for the Antichrist, identifying the one who counterfeits, disguises, and schemes. Second John 1 7 and Revelation 12 9. There are many other names we can mention Bells above, Belial, and many, many others, but these will do. Now Satan is activities within the church are recorded for us about 95 A.D. already 
They're all found in the book of Revelation to the message of the churches. Interesting. Listen carefully. The church of Smyrna, Satan's already within the church in his activities. The church of Smyrna was persecuted by Jews who were of the synagogue of Satan, 100 to 312 A.D., Revelation 2, 8, and 9. Satan made his way into the church of Pergamos, had established his throne in it, 312 to 600 B.C., Revelation 2, 12 through 13. Satan managed to contaminate the entire church of Thyatira and made it his home. 600 to 1500 A.D., the development of the Catholic Church, the Dark Ages. Revelation 2, 18 through 20. The parable of the tares are the children of the wicked one, the enemy being Satan, the wheat being the children of God in Matthew 13, 24 through 30. Clearly, Jesus interprets the parable for us and says, only the seed that fell by the wayside and snatched up by the bird, Satan, did not receive the gospel. Only one out of the four. The other three did sprout. The ground is the heart of men. Jesus said, so three of the four receive the word, but two of the three did not abide in Jesus and fell away. One never sprouted, never born again. The other three are born again. Two of them fall away. Shallowness and the riches, the temptations and persecution of the world. If you're a young woman and you have a baby, you're pregnant and you have a miscarriage at one month, were you pregnant? Was that a child? If you have a stillborn, was it a baby? Were you pregnant? Was it a child? Yes. Only one did not sprout. The other three did. Greater is he, Jesus, than he that's in the world, Satan. First John 4, 4. The wicked one is limited. First John 5, 18. Satan has attempted to destroy God's seed from the beginning. Cain slew Abel in Genesis 4, 1 through 8. The massacre of the infants in Egypt, Exodus 1, 15 through 16. Saul tried to kill David, 1 Samuel 16, 13. Satan tempted David to number the people in 1 Chronicles 21, 1. Athaliah destroyed the seed royal, but Joash was hidden in the house of the Lord in 2 Kings 1 through 6. Um, Haman plotted to destroy the Jews at Esther 3. But God intervened. Herod commanded the slaughter of the infants in Matthew 2.16. And premature attempts to kill Jesus uh, through the Gospels are seen constantly. The temptation of Jesus was another attempt in Matthew 4, Mark 1, Luke 4. From Cain to the attempt to have Joseph expose Mary, he tried to destroy the seed royal. And the Lord Jesus Christ. The final conflict will be when Satan gives his power and authority to the Antichrist in Revelation 13, 2 and 17, 12. So the devil is used by God at times as his instrument, something we have to come to grips with. The simple principle taught in the scripture is that Satan is under God's control's authority. He has certain liberties, but not past the certain boundaries that God has established. Listen to Job 1, 12. And the Lord said to the Satan, Behold, all that is in his hand is in your power. Only do not lay a hand on his person. So Satan went and from the presence of the Lord Yahweh. Permission. Boundaries. Jesus is seated above, far above all principalities, power, might, and dominions. Those are angels. Ephesians 2, 21. Joseph declared his brothers meant evil against it, but God meant it for good. Genesis 50, verse 20. Evil spirits distress Saul from the Lord. God used evil spirits to distress Saul. 1 Samuel 16, 14, and 23. Jesus gives the permission to Judas to betray him. Satan entered him. John 13, 27. Satan was used to move Pharisees to plot against Christ, to put him to death. It was God's plan. 
Jesus said to Peter, Satan wanted to sift you as wheat, but I have prayed for you that you fail not your faith. Luke 22, 31 through 32. Satan is used to discipline and chasten believers. 1 Corinthians 5, 5. Turn him over to Satan. You do not turn non-believers over to Satan. You turn Christians who are rebellious in sin over to Satan when they don't repent. Is that clear? All right? Non-believers belong to Satan. Now, the devil, Satan, is a defeated foe then. Jesus stripped him of all authority. Jesus destroyed him with the power of death. Hebrews 2, 14 and 15. Jesus was manifest to destroy the works of Satan. 1 John 3, 8 says, The grave could not hold him. Acts 2, 24. He says Satan was judged. John 12, 31, 14, 30, 16, 1, or 11. He disarmed principalities and powers, making a public display of them, triumphing over them, Colossians 2.15. He led captivity captive, gave gifts to men for the perfecting of the saint. He sat down at the right hand of God the Father, till his enemies be made a footstool, Ephesians 4.7-10. through 10. Satan will be cast out of heaven at the start of the Great Tribulation, Revelation 12.7-9. through 9. He's defeated. Jesus revealed his destiny. Listen carefully. The defeat of his armies of, of the world will fall at Armageddon. Revelation 19, 11 through 21. Satan will be bound for a thousand years at the bottomless pit and released for the last rebellion prior to the, at the end of the millennial in Revelation 20, verse 1 through 3 and verse 7. Satan will be cast into the lake of fire for all eternity. Revelation 20, verse 10. Gehenna, lake of fire, was made for no one but Satan and his angels. Matthew twenty-five forty-one. The end of Satan and final defeat was written from the beginning. Listen carefully. He would receive a fatal blow to the head by the work of the cross by the Son of God. Jesus, the seed of the woman. Genesis three fifteen. He will bruise your heel, the seed of the serpent. Temporary wound on the cross. He will crush his head. From the beginning of Genesis 3.15, you get the end from the beginning. God wins. The church wins. Satan's a defeated foe. And so Martin Luther said, the devil is the ape of God. This is the biblical truth about the devil, his present and future destiny. Anybody tells you any different, they're liars. This is God's revelation, not our opinion. And so we can be certain without doubt that these biblical truths about the devil are the absolute truth about the devil and his origin, the devil and his fall, the devil, his present and future destiny. You need to understand these things. You need to know them. And to realize that you are on the winning side. Father, thank you for your grace, your goodness. We love you. We thank you. We pray, Lord, you will speak to our hearts. We thank you for tonight and your word. Lord, I pray for everyone who is listening, whether it's here over the internet or the radio, Lord, that you would just use it for your glory. And you would save those who are lost, those who are bound by Satan and deceived. As you're praying, if you're here tonight, if you don't know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, then God has brought you here to be saved, to repent of your sins. Only the Lord can forgive you. Only he died in your place. Only he rose from the dead. So if you believe what you've heard tonight, then that's biblical faith that you are believing the revelation of God and that if you would confess your sins and ask him to forgive you, he will do exactly that and give to you eternal life because God cannot lie. And he tasted death for you and he rose from the dead to give you life and life more abundant. So if you're here over the internet or out there somewhere in the world, if you want to accept Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, this is your prayer right now to him. Not to us, but to him. Father, I come to you in Jesus' name. I ask you to forgive me for all my sins. Give me a brand new heart. 
Fill me with your spirit. I accept you as my Savior and Lord. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.